I just went outside, we had a hills hoist, just a good old Melbourne backyard, and I had probably my shoes off and was just hanging out the washing barefoot. And I had this extraordinary experience where suddenly I had a voice starting to talk and communicate with me, but using my own vocal cords. This was literally like my voice was suddenly being taken over and speaking to me. And so the voice that came through was quite a masculine tone voice. And then finally the word, the name came out, I am Goenga. And I'm here to remind you what you're here to do on earth. Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Welcome, friends, to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, and have I got a spirit sister for you. My guest today is Alicia Jumay-Temmerman. Alicia, who lives in Melbourne, is an energy healer coach, relationship coach, a lawyer, speaker, author, and the founder of the Global Soul Centre. Alicia also has four children with her husband of 20 years, Mark. Alicia's sole mission is to help people connect back to their souls and help them understand the laws of energy. She wants us to learn how to boost, clear, nourish, charge and protect our energy, which she calls our most valuable commodity. All these beautiful and practical teachings come courtesy of a team of Ascended Masters who speak through Alicia via direct voice channeling. Sometimes she sings their teachings. It's quite wonderful. The story behind how the channeling first began in 2012, when Alicia was a frazzled and exhausted workaholic, is simply unforgettable. And in this episode, Alicia dives deep into what was going on in her life prior to that moment and her six-year struggle to accept and incorporate the channeling, which was quite confronting for herself and loved ones. In our conversation, Alicia tells us why she's on a mission to help us remember who we are and tells us all about the different guides who share their wisdom through her. She also reveals how, as a lawyer, she went on a long quest to unearth evidence to validate what it was that she was experiencing and the mind-blowing revelation that finally convinced her. Alicia talks about the power of intention, shares lots of tips to raise our frequency and cope with energy zappers, and discusses forgiveness as the most powerful way to restore our energy leaks. Make sure you stick around to the end when Alicia offers some wonderful insights into the spiritual significance of 2020 and COVID-19 and reveals the ultimate importance of self-love and self-acceptance. 
this is a really jam-packed episode. You might want to take notes. Enjoy my far-ranging conversation with the wonderful Alicia Jume-Temerman, who's a true ambassador for Women Healing Women. And here we are with the beautiful Alicia. So lovely to have you on Spirit Sisters, the podcast. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm so honoured. I'm so excited to be invited on your fabulous podcast, which I've been loving listening to all of the amazing stories. Oh, thank you. It's, I'm really honoured to hear that, Alicia. And I'm, I'm so excited to speak to you as well. Since I was first made aware of you, your amazing story and your wonderful work, I've been itching to get you on the show. So I'm very glad that we've gotten it together today. <laughs> oh, me too, me too. Well, let's jump right in because we have so much to talk about that, you know, we're just, we were saying before we pressed record that we're hopeful we get through everything because there's, yes, there's so much good stuff for everybody. But let's begin with this. So after reading your book, I feel like you're my spirit sister. And I know the audience is going to feel the same because there are so many aspects of your story that the listeners will be able to relate to. I know I certainly could. For example, you know, in the early pages of your book, which is um, a beautiful book called Pure Energy, which we'll talk more about. Uh, in the early pages of that, you describe being a mum of two small children, or maybe I've since discovered you've got four, Alicia. So. <laughs> Yeah, we've got four now, but at that time, I only had two. Okay. So you described being a mum of two small children trying like mad to juggle everything. Mm. And it was to mm. your own detriment. And I know that I've done that and crumbled. Mm. Uh, please tell us about this time in your life and the wake up call that took place in 2011. Oh, thank you so much. Yes. Yeah, so if anyone listening has been exhausted, is exhausted, I relate to that. I have absolutely been there trying to be everyone to everyone, trying to be everything to everyone. And at that time, I really feel like I was living on autopilot. I was just playing this role of trying to be the best mum, trying to be the best worker and trying to juggle everything. And on the outside, it looked like maybe I had it together and people probably thought I did. I had a big job in a big law firm and two kids, gorgeous husband, you know, the whole thing where you look at it like that. But on the inside, I was really struggling and depleted. I was getting sick regularly and the universe kept showing me that I needed to slow down, but I wasn't listening. I just kept thinking I was invincible and I could just push through and mentally override. And there were times where I literally couldn't walk. My pelvis was so bad. I was on a Zimmer frame. I was trying to go into work on this Zimmer frame. I couldn't, my legs were so heavy. I was getting tonsillitis again and again, just getting sick. And I was putting myself last and trying to put everyone else first. And the wake up call came for me at a time. It was just a little thing where I was taking one of my children to get a medical checkup. And I remember thinking, I don't have time for this. I've got too much work to do. I've got to get back to the office. I've got to get all of this stuff done. And I was really struggling to control him in that session. And he wasn't doing the things the doctors wanted. And my three-year-old was taking over the place and screaming and yelling. And I just remember thinking, oh my God, I can't control my kids. I'm a terrible mom. I need to be at work. I haven't, I'm not managing my staff. I should be there. And it was just that feeling of just overwhelm coming over me. And I remember getting back into the car, just bursting out crying and just thinking, I can't do this anymore. I'm too exhausted. My soul was just screaming out. And so 
from that, I decided, right, it's time to get back in touch with myself and my soul. And I'd always been interested in spirituality. And I know we'll talk hopefully about that later. And I started to take time to journal and to meditate and to start to fill myself up a little bit so that I could get back in touch with who I really was. I just was playing this role and putting these masks on. Uh, so yeah, that was the wake up call that just sent me back on path. It was that course correct to mm. start to get back on track to kind of ask those big questions again. Hang on, hang on. What are we here for again? What is my life about? And is it just this kind of going to work and doing the rat race over and over again and falling in a heap at night and waking up again to do it all again? It just didn't seem like that was really living. And the message in that seems to be that when we do ignore that part of us that yearns to ask the big questions and to mm. seek answers to them, then we suffer and then others suffer. So it's a, a kind of a chain of mm. suffering as well. So I find that really, really interesting. Mm. But other things happened uh, in retrospect that may suggest that you were being prepared for a huge spiritual shift. What I know that you call the washing line experience, Alicia, mm. that you'll tell us about shortly. So what happened at the shaking meditation class just prior to the washing line experience? Because it's quite extraordinary, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so this was actually at a kind of pivotal time where I think I had just resigned from my job. So I'd worked at a big law firm for 10 years. I'd gone out into government and was working for the Department of Justice. And then I'd made that decision to finally step out and work for myself. And I just made that decision actually, I'm just connecting that now mm. in terms of that shaky meditation class. So maybe it was like the universe has said, okay, you've taken that action. So we'll bring you this, <laughs> we'll bring you this now. Yeah. Uh, so I went to a shaky meditation class with one of my best friends in the world, beautiful Janie Martino, a superpower woman. Uh, she's actually uh, the founder, co-founder of Smiling Minds, a beautiful meditation wow. app. Yeah. Uh, so she is, she's a powerhouse woman. So she took me to this shaking meditation class and we were just dancing around, shaking and moving our body. And I had this extraordinary experience where suddenly I was no longer in control of my body and my body started systematically and spontaneously moving by itself. And I was just watching as my hands were starting to kind of flick around and it was like it would do one sequence on one side and then off it would go and would do this exact sequence on the other side. And I was just like, oh my gosh, what is going on? And then I had actual imagery of people that I had had interactions with, maybe that had not been great, that were actually coming into my vision as I was shaking certain parts of my body. Oh, so wow. I was like, sh my shoulder was starting to like vigorously shape and sudden shake and then this image came into my head um, of one particular person in my life and it was just like boom as if I was doing some purification or some release of energy wow. that had been stored in my body associated with that interaction so anyway it was it was really out there for me and I had never experienced anything like it and I remember coming home that night and being completely wiped out, like exhausted in a way that I've never experienced in my life. And I can normally push through, but I was just like, I slept and I went into this enormous sleep and had a very big sleep. And I woke up the next day and I can't remember anything specific about the next day, 
but what did happen over the coming weeks leading up to the washing line experience. So the shaking meditation class happened and then it was literally one month later that the washing line experience happened. Right. But in between, in that four weeks, there were little things taking place, such as my hands were starting to move by themselves. So I was at work at the Department of Justice <sighs> in open plan <laughs> at this point, and I'm like the manager of this team, and my hands were just starting to move by themselves at my office desk. So I remember like kind of like having to pull my arms in going, <laughs> oh my gosh, what is going on? And so there definitely was, were moments where I was freaking out a little bit. Um, and I went and spoke to my Reiki master and I got him to come over and, and to see what was happening. So this was before the full washing line experience. Yeah. And he was just laughing and he's watching <laughs> and he's like, this is great. And he's like, your guides are here and they're supporting you. And there's this Asian ancestor of yours who's here and this is all going to be great. You're a medium. It's all good. I didn't even know what a medium was at that point. Um, and so he kind of calmed me down and he said, I just needed to have communications with them to let them know that I want to be the one to initiate. So it's not like they can just come in and start purifying my body whenever they want it. Uh, so, so you had to kind of set some boundaries from the outset. Yeah, I just set some boundaries around it. So for a few weeks, this happened, some kind of purification things were going, was going on with my body. So I did think that was strange, but it did not prepare me for what then happened. Oh my goodness. Uh, in terms of uh, the washing line experience. And you describe that so poetically in your book, Pure Energy. Tell us what happened at the washing so, line experience in March 2012. Yeah, so it's March 2012. I think it's the 12th of March. I'm not maybe right. Oh, that's and I was, Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's right. I should mm. check that. Uh, so I was just, I just went outside. We had a hills hoist, just a good old Melbourne backyard. And I had probably my shoes off and was just hanging out the washing barefoot. And I had this extraordinary experience where suddenly I had a voice starting to talk and communicate with me but using my own vocal cords. So you hear a lot about people saying, oh, well, I had, I had voice or I had thoughts come into my mind that weren't mine or I was writing and I had things come out. But this was literally like my voice was suddenly being taken over and speaking to me. And so the voice that came through was quite a masculine tone voice and actually really struggled to come through at the start. So I don't know how many times uh, the voice said, I am, I am, I am. And yeah. again and again, it might've been 10, 20, 30, I don't know, but it was someone suddenly saying, I am, I am. And then finally the word, the name came out. I am Goenga. Oh, and wow. I'm like going, okay. So I'm conscious. I can see this happening. I can hear my voice making sounds that I have not initiated. And suddenly this name Goenga comes out of, of the mouth, of my mouth, saying, I am Goenga, uh, I am your father's spirit guide, and I'm here to remind you what you're here to do on earth. And I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something around energy, reminding people who we really are and teaching people the way so this way. other way of the way, the way of living, another way of living mm -hmm. uh, to be connected back to our truth and things like that. So that's, that's what happened uh, in 2012, just a normal day. 
and doing a very, very ordinary mundane task of just hanging out the washing. It's extraordinary. A few things strike me. I mean, there's so much that's amazing about that scene that you've just described. One is that the, the very powerful words I am that you mm. repeated and kept repeating and they're so mm. significant obviously about you know our the truth of ourselves and what we are mm. and also mm. what goenga said about the way those two words are also really significant in terms of spiritual literature and philosophy and you know within the bible the early christian the early jesus followers were, were known as followers of the way and really also, oh yeah I do not yeah. know that. They were the followers of the way, yeah. Oh, but that's given me like complete full body shivers. Really? Yeah. And also just wow. before we hit record, <laughs> just to bring the listeners in on this, we were talking about A Course wow. in Miracles. That is that um, seminal spiritual text that was channeled mm. in the 1970s by Helen Shookman, a professor of psychology at Columbia University. And you know the story behind the way that started, that the channeling came through? I'm not sure if you know it, Alicia. I, I, I understand that, well, I don't know it completely, but that it, I don't know how it actually started, but I know that she just started writing it all out and that yes. she said, why me at one point? And the, the words came, we knew you would be disciplined enough to actually complete it ah. and write it out. Ah. I've heard that aspect. Yes. Well, just but tell me what you tell me what you Well, know just about. quickly, it, it is that she was working with a colleague called Bill Thetford in the university and you know in those upper echelons of of university life of academia there's often from what I hear and from this story from what this story tells us a lot of infighting and it can be a nasty kind of atmosphere. And she and, and she was very feisty by all accounts, you know, Helen Shookman. And she and Bill were often at each other's throats. And then one day, I think it was Bill who said to her, there must be another way. And Ooh. she just quiet, quieted and, and said, there must be, and I'm going to help you find it. So that was oh. very sort of counter to her usual behaviour. And even Bill, for Bill to say that, there must be another way. And that is when, that was the precursor to the Course in Miracles being channeled. Yeah. That is really interesting to me because that touches in on this concept of free will. Yes. Because she invited it. She in, put an intention out there where she invited it in because we've got free will and our guides and angels can't just come and communicate with us. And I had invited it because I'd started trying to communicate with my angels from many years earlier. So she, in, she had that intention. But she yes. invited it without her realising what she was really inviting. <laughs> yes. So, yes, I just wanted to share that with you, but I absolutely love that. And it's so interesting what you say about how, look what happens when we invite that communication, when we invite mm. that two-way interaction with the invisible beings that are around mm. us, that are mm. difficult for a lot of us to communicate with. And maybe at some point in our conversation, Alicia, you can perhaps offer some tips on how we can better open those channels. <laughs> but let's go yes. on with this, with this story for the minute. So how amazing, how did you feel after that, during or after that, and did you have any sense of this being a momentous beginning of a new phase of life? Yes, those words capture it perfectly. I really did. I feel like it's like my life pre the washing line and my life post the washing line just such a different understanding and knowing about the world. 
I was very blown away. I really didn't know what to do with the information. I didn't know what to do with the experience. And I had read lots of books about spirituality and I kind of understood things on a theoretical level, I thought. <laughs> but to have that experience where suddenly it changes to a deep knowing um, was very different. So it's like I was kind of in utter shock in equal measure of complete calm and serenity. Both of those things together, which is kind of strange to imagine how you can feel those things at the same time. But I knew this was something and I knew that I was clearly being told my mission and that I then had a choice as to whether I was going to listen to that, mm. whether I was going to push it down and, and not. And I didn't... I didn't know who to tell and I really had to kind of put my analysis on, on it and think, okay, well, I've either gone crazy, spontaneously crazy, absolutely nuts <laughs> with no history of mental illness and I'm like pretty straighty 180 sensible person uh, or this is actually really what's happened. So, yeah, it was, um, it was an interesting time, quite a, a rollercoaster time for me looking back. Mm. And as you say, you know, we do read a lot about, you know, us uh, picking up on thoughts on that aren't ours and we hear about mm. other forms of channeling, but to have your voice taken over, mm. I, I can imagine must have been quite confronting to hear this, mm. this voice that is not mm. yours, that is very masculine yes. coming out and saying something. And I think also to your credit, it's amazing, Alicia, that, you stayed with it. You let him. I mean, it took him a while to, you know, the I am's, he repeated them about 10 times and then his name came through and he told you about your mission. Like it mm. takes trust on your part as well to do that. Like how did you allow that process to flow? Yeah, that's interesting actually. I've never thought of it like that. And I think just my nature has always been very trusting. And sometimes people say I'm too trusting. Like I've always been very like, trusting of the world <laughs> and people are like oh you might get taken advantage of where you just are like that and I think probably that nature of mine just stayed with it. it was like and also I had a deep sense of calm come over me as that frequency came into into my into my space so I think yeah and just the curiosity I think it was like I I don't know it's like I was in a little time warp I think it's just yeah. like right in the present moment. And I, I don't know if I even had an option not to be. <laughs> and that's something precious, isn't it? Being in the present moment. It's, it mm. sounds like a simple thing, but it's actually quite difficult. When we yes. it. So you had that yes. gift. Mm. And when, when was the next time he presented himself? Like when did he next visit? So I can't remember the exact sequence of it, but there were then other energies who started to come through and introduce okay. themselves as well. Uh, so, and I started to record them because I was like, I need, the, I need to actually watch this back and yes. to record what's going on here. Uh, so I, I really can't remember the sequencing. I have written things down and I remember doing a bit of a video entry journal at the time saying, well, this is what's just happened in the last, uh, which I do have somewhere. Uh, so I can't remember, to be honest, but I feel like over kind of a six-week period, uh, he came again and then um, some of the other guides uh, okay. came again. 
Yeah. <laughs> so you mentioned earlier that you didn't, you know, he told you you were a medium, which wasn't really a term that you were familiar with. So that's, that's mm. quite extraordinary. I wonder what knowledge, if any, you had of this phenomenon of channeling. Yeah, so this, yeah, so my Reiki instructor, I remember him saying, oh, you're a medium. And even then, I didn't know what that was. And I just was like, okay. Uh, and then with channeling, I had never heard the term. I didn't understand the concept. Uh, I'd never seen anyone channel. And the only narrative I had in my mind that I could connect it to was in the movie, the iconic movie Ghost, where Whoopi Goldberg uh, channels when she's Oda Mae Brown and she's being this psychic, but she kind of doesn't really have the gift at the start and she just seems to be um, tricking people a little bit, misleading people, and then suddenly it's like whoosh, she yeah. opens up this channel and in comes a, a, a past love, loved one. Um, which I have also had experiences with of oh, uh, loved okay. ones who have passed for me who have come and communicated. So, yeah, that was the only thing that I, I mean, I only had that, those experiences post-washing line, not prior, not prior to. So, yeah, though that was all I knew. I didn't, I did not know what channeling was. I didn't know I was a channeler. And really, it's only been in the last few years that I've realised I'm a channeler. <laughs> what a wonderful story. There's so much here. So, what what about spirituality? I know from your book that it did play quite a role in your life growing up. Please share with us some of your background. Yeah, well, I grew up just normal family in Melbourne, two big brothers. My dad was uh, a Franciscan monk when he was a lot younger. He spent uh, a number of years in the monastery. And so he kind of has those, had those values. My mum, I grew up Catholic and had very strong um, just loving, social justice, caring values of people. Uh, so I grew up in that kind of environment. And it was really when I was 15 when one of my cousins died of cancer. And this was a, a girl who was amazing at sport, energetic, was amazing netballer and a basketball. And suddenly um, she, she died. I mean, we knew that she had been unwell. But for me as a 15-year-old, I didn't really understand that she was going to die. And when she did, it really hit me hard and got me thinking about the big questions in life and got me reading. I started reading about afterlife. I started reading about spirituality. I started reading about near-death experiences in my life when I was in year 10 um, because I was just fascinated. I wanted to know. And then I did have, I don't talk about it in the book, but I did have a few experiences, maybe my late teens, early 20s, uh, of what I understand now to be like astral traveling, where mm -hmm. I was flying through these wormholes and seeing these ancient cities and I knew I wasn't dreaming, like I knew I was conscious. Uh, I had these kind of experiences. So I was interested in spirituality and even as a junior lawyer, I was kind of had this conservative job working as an employment lawyer, uh, but I would spend my time on the weekends studying Reiki courses and studying kinesiology and doing my Qigong master course. And I was just fascinated and just wanting to learn more about the things that we couldn't see. Mm. And yeah, so I just have had that, that interest uh, for as, as long as I can remember, really. It seems like a very fertile kind of background. And then that, that lovely seed has been planted early on and it's blooming now, isn't it? That's the sort of the sense that I get that the path mm. was paved. 
it's very beautiful that your father, you know, had that background as a Franciscan monk as well. Mm. And in your book, you, you write that beautiful St. Francis prayer, uh, let me be an instrument of your peace, mm. which I love. And I say oh. every day as well. It's just so beautiful, those it words. Is. It's so beautiful. It is so beautiful. And as you say that, like that path was maybe set mm. and my guides have shared with me that I chose this, <laughs> that I chose this mission and that, the timing was going to happen at this time, no matter what. I think it was my, I think I was 36 and it was something, I can't remember, I might be wrong, but something about the year. There's like in the, something about that year. I don't know if it's Chinese draggy or dragon things, but there was something going on in that year. Mm -hmm. um, and it was 12, 2012, which I didn't connect until with the Mayan calendar. I didn't even know what the Mayan calendar was. And it was only um, recently when I published my book, someone spoke to me about 2012 is a significant year in the Mayan calendar, which I don't even really know anything about. So there was, this was chosen that I was at this age, 36, 2012, it was happening. Yeah. <laughs> whether I liked it, whether I liked it or not. <laughs> so you've mentioned your mission. So what is your mission as you understand it, Alicia? So my mission as I understand it is to help people to remember who they truly are, that we are magnificent spiritual beings. We are currently living in human form and it looks like we're in this human body, but that's not who we really are. And to help people to connect back with their personal power, with their magnificence, with their truth, to find the light in them so that they can start living from their truth outwards, not allowing all the external stuff to impact us as much and to really connect and anchor back with the strength of their inner self because once we've really kind of it's like a game almost like a i'm imagining kind of an electrical cord like once you connect that in internally with yourself it's like all the lights turn on mm -hmm. and you start to see the world in such a different way and start to realize that every single one of us is exactly the same is as amazing and magnificent on the spiritual level as each other we're just playing this game where it looks like everyone's all dressed up in different uh, bodies and colors and races and all of this stuff as learning devices yeah. but at our truth at our true core when we realize that we are all one we are all connected we are collective divine energy and when we the real key for us is to start to see that in other people when we connect it with ourselves but when we start to see in other people and particularly those people that we struggle with most and particularly in society those people who have done horrific things working on that piece of seeing that actually at their core and it's really hard through our human mind at their core they are just like us pure love that's it it's it's such a challenge when we come to those difficult people let alone mm. you know the people who have committed atrocities in mm. history and in present time that is that is the struggle but there's so much to be gained if we can embrace that other way. Again, we come to the other way, that alternative mm. uh, that mm. you describe. Yeah. yeah, and that we're eternal, that we never die. Yes, and that's a very powerful message. And this is the Spirit Sisters podcast. So I'd love to hear more about that, actually, about there's um, a question that I had, was going to ask you later, but let's ask you now. Goenga, yeah, sure. who was the first ascended master to come through, he, yes. I believe, has spoken to you about how we don't die, how death is, is not actually real. Tell us about what he told you. Yes. Yeah, so this is when 
I asked for a channeling on grief. So the words that came through, and this was when I wasn't fully doing the direct channelings into my Facebook group. I was still building myself up to it. So I kind of do this word where a word comes and I say it, a word comes and I say it. Uh, so he delivered this message that way. Uh, and he said, one thing that is important to remember when we lose a loved one in this life is to remember that you have never lost that person. The essence and the spirit of the person continues to live for eternity, as will your spirit. The moment in time when the spirit leaves the earthly body is a very special and important moment in the cycle of that spirit. For the spirit who has left their body, they will experience tremendous joy, tremendous learning, and will go on to learn more and more and more in the space where they go to after they have left their physical body. However, for those people who are left behind and are living still in their physical body, there can be great suffering because they feel separated from their loved one. They feel that perhaps they will never see that loved one again, but this is not to be. If these people are able to fully remember and recognise that this is just one passing moment and that they will be reunited at some point in their spirit's journey with their loved one, and if they deeply remember and understand that their loved one is safe and is happy, then they are more easily able to cope with the loss of their beloved ones. This experience on earth for all is one which necessarily includes the loss of loved ones. It can be very painful, it can cause much sadness, but if you are able to know and remember that you are safe forever and that you are beloved and that your beloved is safe forever, then I hope for you that you are able to get through this earthly moment and experience. That's beautiful. An earthly moment. Earthly, yeah, even I actually saw that pop out then. Yeah. I, haven't no, I hadn't noticed that <laughs> before. Yeah. Thank you for, for sharing that. I, I, it's lovely to have you read it. Thank you so much. So you had those moments throughout your earthly journey where you were curious about spirituality that you've shared with us mm. and you know your parents were obviously uh, amazing role models as well each mm. in their own way what about today how would you describe what you, what you believe about life and the presence of the divine today so what i understand and how i try to live every day is to connect with whatever we want to call it, connect with Holy Spirit, connect with divine, Mama Gaia, creator, whatever it is. But every morning I request and connect with uh, to allow my body to be a vessel as I'm walking around in the world to try and spread that divinity and to raise the frequency of energy uh, of people around them tapping back and remembering their divinity because when people do things that are harmful to other people it's not that they're bad it's just that they've forgotten their divinity and they've lost their way a little bit and it's got a bit mucky and it's got a bit cloudy and so trying to help everyone to just remember at our core that that's who we are and to live from that truth outwards uh, living from the spirit outwards and for us to remember that we are brothers and sisters we are energetic brothers and sisters and recently the concept came to me it was like a, we're like it's this big chocolate bar <laughs> and we've got we look like in like all the pieces look like they're individual little pieces yeah little squares but yeah. little squares <laughs> um but when you kind of heat it up 
and increase the vibration of that chocolate, then it all melts into one glorious, delicious thing. And that's, that's us. <laughs> oh, I love that analogy. As a chocolate lover myself, I absolutely oh, love too. that analogy. <laughs> We're all very sweet at our core. <laughs> yes, we are. Yeah. <laughs> well, that is beautiful. Now, one of the things that is most extraordinary about your story is this juxtaposition between your life, your career as a lawyer, you know, this person mm. that deals in facts and deals mm. in, in uh, evidence and hard evidence and your, mm. and your life as this beautiful spiritual teacher and being. I wonder, mm. tell us about that. Like, I know that in your book, you describe how you, you really sought, you are somebody who's practical, you are this lawyer, you yourself wanted the hard evidence that what you mm. were experiencing was real. Tell us about that journey and what you uncovered. So interesting. What you've just said has just brought up something in my mind that I've never thought of before. <laughs> so as part of my job as a lawyer, so I'm an employment lawyer. And when I went out on my own, starting my own business, predominantly what I was doing was workplace investigations. So I was an investigator and I was gathering evidence around incidents or interactions and all of the different versions of events and preparing like little mini judgments <laughs> of decisions saying, okay, on the balance of probabilities, what's more likely than not to have occurred based on this evidence, that evidence is whatever it, whatever it is. So I'd never actually thought about the fact that that part of me was probably what was driving this need still to have this practical evidence. And I remember my guides have laughed at me. They laugh at me a lot, but they've laughed at me a lot about this need for me to get this confirmation and this affirmation. And they're just like, oh my gosh, can you just try, like, what are you doing? It's really, is this real? Like, why do you keep having to, you know, confirm and confirm and affirm? Yeah, because I remember one time I went to another um, spiritual woman and I was wanting her to say the names of my guides. I was like, I want you to talk to my guides and I want you to say the names of my guides. And um, she, she couldn't. She's explained that around that she couldn't get onto the channel of my guides to yeah. talk. She, can, she could get symbols from them, but she couldn't get the direct words, how they come through to me. Um, and they were laughing at me and just sending this message to me and her at the same time to say, what is she doing? Just drop it. <laughs> it's just, just trust us. Okay. Um, so, and on that, I want to just say how they've explained the the channeling to me is basically like we're all frequencies of energy and radio stations just walking around and that they can just get onto my station. They can shoot into my station and I expect that they probably have to dense themselves pretty a lot um, to be able to do that. Yeah. Um, but just like there's lots of radio stations on, we're only tuned into one doesn't mean all the others are not existing. Early on, back in 2012, I recorded a number of sessions. I went and bought a video recorder and I recorded because I wanted to see these different energies coming through and watching it back. It was like very different personalities coming through in the way that they used my hands, the way they used my voice, the way they used my face, um, the languaging, definitely separate energies that were communicating through me. And watching them back, I was just like, I've either just suddenly become like this amazing actress, yeah. <laughs> which I'm, I'm not, or yes, okay, Alicia, uh, this is true. There were some physiological things that really confirmed things for me as well, which was I 
my voice started to change. Um, my, I was just be singing to the radio and suddenly I'd go, oh my God, like I, my voice is sounding different. And I seem to be, I'm not that you can necessarily tell yourselves, but I seem to be a lot more in tune <laughs> than I was with music. Um, and I felt very, a lot, little bit more musical than I had felt before. I mean, I didn't even make it into the chorus of our school unit musical. I was like, wanted to be in the chorus so badly, but my singing did not get me um, a gig there. Uh, but what I understand now is that uh, some of the energies that's, that come through me, they don't talk, they only sing. Uh, angels in particular, my guardian angel, uh, only sings. And so it's like they had to play with my vocal cords to allow them to be able to use it at the correct frequency or whatever it is um, mm. to do that. So that was kind of like a physio, it was something that was a change that I couldn't deny. Um, yes. And then there was my, I had a lot of pelvis issues and my pelvis issues really improved dramatically. And my chiropractor was working on me around this time, had no idea that this stuff was going on and said, what have you been doing? Because it's like I'm working on a completely different body. That really was like, okay, mm. that's, that's, that's really interesting. Really, really interesting. So there was, there was that as well. So yeah, there were just some these physiological changes that I noticed that I couldn't, yeah, I just couldn't deny. And I've had the pleasure of hearing you sing as you're channelling your um, spirit guide. No, what did you call her? Your angel. Uh, so beautiful. that might have been yeah. uh, uh, Oriella. Oriella. It was beautiful. Yeah. It was really beautiful. Nobody would know that you're not a trained singer. Really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It was yes. very lovely. And we'll have all the links up so people can go on your Facebook page and look at the videos and, and see you in action as well, Alicia. But. No. So let's talk a little bit about uh, the ascended masters who communicate through you. Tell us about them. Who, who's yes. coming through? So, well, the, the main one is Goenga, who speaks to me more often than anyone. So he describes himself as my father spirit guide. Okay. And he has that, I've got my earthly dad <laughs> and he's like my spirit dad. Oh. Uh, and he's just very wise and very loving and very calm and very gentle. And he can't really tell me what to do. And I don't get really a lot of personal guidance, um, but it's very much messages kind of for the common, the common good. So yes, he's one of them. I also have a mother spirit guide. Um, and her name, you may not have seen her because uh, she doesn't feature much in my Facebook group. She doesn't come through much. Um, her name is Mari. Mari, uh, M-A-R-I? M-A-R-I-E. Okay. Um, which is also the name of my earth mother, which oh. is kind of strange. <laughs> but she has the same name as my earth mother, who's Mari. Um, and there was one time very early when I had first started channeling where I was at my mum's house and it was just me and my mum, which is really rare because I've got kids and husband and people around. And it was just rare to have a time where I got to just be with my mum. And I don't know why that happened, but I was at my mum's house um, and Mari came through unexpectedly. So I was just maybe having a cup of tea with my mum and Mari took over my body and started talking and started, was very emotional, very deeply emotional. And, um, she explained to us that she was so excited to communicate with us and that she had been our mother in a previous incarnation where my earth mother was my sister at that time. 
So she was just explaining this, which kind of made sense to me with my mum. Like I feel like that sister connection with my mum. Um, so that was one of the few things that have come through with personal information. I don't, there's restrictions on what they can share with me and tell me is my understanding, but that was an experience that I had that was, yeah, quite phenomenal. What did your mum say about that? How did she respond oh, to so, that? Yeah, it was, um, it was interesting because at the time when I first was having these experiences, my mum, even though she is deeply spiritual, she was a little bit worried for me because she uh, was worried that, if I was going to come and share this, I think, with people of what people were going to think about me. Um, so I think there was some hesitations around that. So even with that experience, she trusted that it was real, that I wasn't just suddenly being crazy. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was a deeply profound connecting moment for us. I mean, my mum and I are crazy connected anyway, but to have that next level experience of a former mum communicating with us, it was it was pretty, it was pretty amazing. <laughs> that is yeah. extraordinary. That is, yeah. no, that's beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I didn't know that because I don't think that story's in your book, is it? I don't, no, I don't think yeah. it is. No, it's definitely, it's definitely not in my book. So yeah, I, that definitely happened. Um, then there's Arumba who is a warrior spirit guide and mm. he's key. He's the one who teaches me the breathing exercises. So my role is to bring forth breathing exercises that he teaches to help us to clear, nourish, boost, charge, protect our energy our en and our energy field. Yeah. Uh, so he's the one that uh, has brought forth the ones that I share on my website that I do every day and also other ones that come through at different times. Oriella is a key guide who's an angel who... Uh, is sassy and fun and playful and uh, she her message is always just around just stop taking yourself too seriously people why are you not having fun where's the play where's the laughter stop just being like so serious that's her key message yeah. and another one is actually a, an ancestral guide this yeah. was another this was Tell another about, connection. Yes. Yeah, so this, tell us that story because it is beautiful about how oh, you first met this guide. Yes. And this connects back with those, uh, the evidence, me trying to gather yes. the evidence. <laughs> um, so because when you remember my Reiki master, he had said to me, his name's John Williams, he'd said to me initially, oh, I can see this Asian ancestor guy, yes. um, which I kind of remembered but didn't really remember until... I had a channeling experience early on, so it would have been in the 2012 period, and I was do, I was channeling, I think, with a Roomba, and then suddenly this other voice came in and started to use my channel, who I'd never communicated with before, and the entire segment is in a completely different language, and I'm just watching my mouth yeah. saying all of these different words, but it's like, you know, when you speak to someone who's speaking another language, you can tell it's a language, obviously. Yes. Um, but you can get a sense, a little bit, of what they're saying just from their body language and their tone and the way they move their hands. So I had that, but I didn't know a word of what this person was, this energy was saying. Wow. I didn't know what was going on. Um, and it actually, it kind of freaked me out at the time. I remember once the energy left my body, I remember kind of saying to a Roomba, I'm not sure I'm ready for that. Like that was uh, just maybe you guys need to slow it down with me because I, that was weird. That was, even though it was loving and beautiful, like to watch me speaking another language that I don't know and I don't understand. Because yes, you couldn't recognise the language, could you? 
I had no idea that yeah. it, I didn't know what it was. And this was the thing that absolutely blew my mind, I think, more than anything, which was that a Roomba then says to me in English, don't worry, you know, you don't understand that language. Your soul understands that language. The, vib the vibration of the language is healing for you, as all of the frequencies are that come through me. That's why when people experience them and listen to them, it's connecting with that frequency for them and having that healing experience. But he said to me, oh, it's, it's ancient Minahasan was the word he said. Oh, ancient Minahasan. And I thought, well, I have to go to Google because I'm an investigator and I have to see <laughs> what is this and does it really exist? And I will never forget, Karina, when I put into Google this word Minahasan and came back to me, oh my gosh, that it is the language of Sulawesi, which is uh, in Manado, sorry, in Manado, which is in Sulawesi, which is a island of Indonesia. I could not believe it. So my grandfather, my my dad Max Jumay, his his dad Alec Jumay, my grandfather, who's now passed, uh, was a hundred percent Indonesian, um, and he was from Manado, in Sulawesi. Minahasan was the ancient language of, and I on that's where I was like, okay, Alicia, I think you've think you've got enough evidence now really you've never I'd never heard Minahasan before um it's not like I grew up a lot with my grandfather he lived in Sydney yeah it's very a very remote place it's not a place that you know even people who know a lot about geography and that's not me that perhaps even yeah. whether they've ever heard of of the place or let alone of the language spoken there I don't know in your yes. grandfather's time or prior like, I have no idea. Yeah. I don't um, know. I haven't, you know what? Yeah. I should probably Google that. I don't even know. I just remember seeing that Minahasan ancient Siloisi Monado and just going, holy moly. And I've never been there. I want to, I've, we've got a real pull as a family. My older brother has been there and he's desperate for us to all go back. That will happen at some point. What a moment of synchronicity. Like that is absolutely extraordinary. I just, I can, I mean, I got mm. goosebumps reading it. I got goosebumps again as you tell it because it is, mm. it's, very evidential yeah it was just un it just was undeniable for me yeah. <laughs> alicia did someone just say hello in your house i just heard in my ears that's, well that's really weird because no one's here karina okay well it would have recorded it so here we go <laughs> oh my goodness i'm always <laughs> catching things on the recordings yeah hello oh, well you well when when you're playing when you're playing <laughs> with this kind of stuff and then oh, my <laughs> Who knows? That but is. It might have been your husband just coming home for lunch or something. No, but, that is yeah. interesting. No, there's no one here. <laughs> trying to get back on track now. Yes, yes. <laughs> it took you six years, Alicia, to come mm. out of what you'd call the spiritual closet. And I like that term. Yeah. I've used that too. Mm. And I, yeah, it's very interesting. It's quite a process. Mm. What, what, tell us about the kinds of things you were wrestling with in that time. And I assume a lot yeah. of it had to do with your, your very important job. In the, in the world. <laughs> yeah, well, us lawyers, you know, we've got decent egos and, uh, <laughs> you know, kind of this important job and this, this way that we think we are in the world, conservative and all of those things. Um, yeah, I was, I was grappling with a lot of things around it and uh, I'd only, in six years, it might be half a dozen or a few more people that I'd actually told about these experiences okay. uh, because I... I just wasn't ready. I didn't feel safe really to come out and to share with people um, that this was going on. And really 
during that six years, I didn't do a lot of channeling. I kind of got busy with life mm. and we went on to have two more kids and I just wasn't being disciplined in finding the time. And I knew at the time it was crazy. It was like I was reading all these books and still trying to find information elsewhere. It was like, Alicia, you've got it right here. Like, hello, please access us right now. Yeah, so it took me a long time. I had a lot of fear around what people would think about me. I wasn't, I just wasn't sure I was ready to put myself out there in that way. We relied heavily on my income and were mortgaged to the absolute hilt. Um, and I was really worried that people would hear this in my work, around my work and my legal work, and that they would think I was just a, a weirdo um, and in the woo-woo and how could we engage this person to do this work for us when there's all this stuff going on. So yeah, there was just a whole lot of stuff that I was really uh, struggling with uh, to, to come out and to, to tell people I felt really nervous and really scared to to say it <laughs> to tell people mm -hmm. and how did yeah. you resolve that how what, what did you eventually come to to a point of resolution there how did you get there so it just was just this thing in my body it just kept waving up and waving up and it was like it was kind of like this thing was coming at me that I just couldn't you can imagine you've got something coming and you've you're trying to push it back and you're yeah. trying to push it back. And at the end, it's like, I just couldn't anymore. I, cause I knew what I was supposed to be doing. And I knew that I had all of this information that could give people hope and could help people and allow them to enjoy their life more and relax and calm down. Mm. And yes, I'd, I'd been able to create this amazing life for me and my family, but it's like, I had to share it now. I couldn't just hold it to myself. And I had to get past caring about what other people were going to think about me and yeah it was actually what really pushed me the final thing was i was at a conference in vegas and i was uh, listening to this amazing speaker mel robbins uh, who's has written the book the five second rule has a ted talk and she was talking about this pushing through your fear and she's got this concept of five four three two one go and you override your brain hack it's a brain hack to override when the fears are rising and you just go five, four, three, two, one, go. And it got her from being super depressed to launching herself out of bed each day and recreating her life. Mm -hmm. um, and so I was in Vegas and I literally just went back to my hotel room and I got my video, my camera, my phone, and I just pressed, I didn't even think, I just pressed record and I just vomited out my story of the washing line. Wow. And I didn't even know what I was going to do with it at that time. And it took me then a couple of weeks to work out what I was going to do with it. But I tend to be kind of an all or nothing person. So I was like, all right, if I'm going to do this now and I'm going to actually put myself out there, then I'm just going to do it. And so I said to my husband, babe, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I've done this video. I've explained uh, my experience at the washing line and I'm going to put it on my Facebook and I hadn't had a lot of conversations with him, Karina, over the last six, over this previous six years about it. He was a Jehovah's Witness for a long time, a very devoted Jehovah's Witness. Um, so this kind of stuff was pretty full on for him and he didn't know what to do with it. Um, and so we had, um, and I, I didn't tell him very early on at all. I don't think, I don't know how, I don't know when in the journey I even started to share it with him. But um, I had a conversation with him and he had a pretty honest conversation back 
with me where he said, okay, well, I hear you saying that you need to do this, but I'm just letting you know that you're potentially putting our relationship at risk. And I was like, holy moly. Oh gosh. And I was like, okay, I've got my mission and what I have to do on this planet. And I've got my soulmate here who I've been with for 20 years. We've created four children together. And am I, am I going to do this? Like, am I going to do this to, to risk everything? Um, and he said, but I know you've got to do it, but I'm just putting it out there. And he, he's, he's, this is why my husband is as honest as they come as real and authentic. And he could have vanilla it. He could have been like, Oh yeah, babe, that's fine. Do it. But yeah. he, that's not, that's not my husband. <laughs> so he, he told me really, cause he, he was concerned for me, protective of me. He didn't want yeah. people to think I was a weirdo and, um, and all of those things. So it's come from a loving place because he just, he didn't, wasn't fully understanding, you know. So anyway, it worked out well in the end. I put it out there and he was away with a friend and they watched it together and he saw the friend didn't freak out, I think, and he saw the response. And this was a guy who I've been friends with since I was a teenager myself and he knows me. He knows that I'm not crackers. Um, and he rang me, my husband rang me, and I'll probably cry. He rang me and I was driving the kids to basketball and, and he said, I'm so sorry. He said... I know you're going to do amazing work and you're going to help so many people and you know I'm sorry for for what I said and you know I, I maybe don't fully get it and understand but like um, I'm here kind of thing and it just meant so much more because he was really you know he told me how it is and he was telling me how it was now and yeah so it wasn't it definitely wasn't an easy decision oh wow <laughs> to, Alicia to come yeah. out so there's yeah. so much there that you were grappling with. So, so to share that first video on your Facebook, it took six years. Is that right? Yeah. Six years it took later. Around about six years. Literally, I think, so March was when it happened in 2012 and it was April 2018 that okay. I put that out onto, onto my Facebook group. <laughs> I think one of Facebook the... Facebook page. Sorry, my personal page. Oh, your personal page, yeah. I think one yeah. of the things that I find most uh, appealing about your work is how practical it is like you have got as you mm. said like there was just so much that you wanted to share to help people because these are really practical things and in your book pure energy you list a whole bunch of very simple hacks very easy mm. things that we can all do to feel better so the crux of your work is this energy work so tell yes. us about what you've learned if you can sum it up Mm. what it is that you've learned and that you're called to share about energy and the energetic beings that we are. Yes. So it's around teaching people the laws of energy and understanding that we aren't humans. We are these energetic beings. We are these batteries of energy walking around, interacting with other people and starting to really claim sovereignty over our own being, but within the understanding that we are all connected as well and starting to really command our energetic system and to be conscious of what we will receive energetically from interactions and what we won't receive and being conscious of what energy we're creating, what frequency of energy we're tuning into because everything has a vibration. Higher frequency energy is love and compassion and joy and all of those beautiful things. And lower energy is when we're into to apathy and to greed and to comparison and uh, shame and all of those things and judgment. So us, as we start to realize we are these energetic beings and that thoughts that we create are out into the world and things that we think about other people are actually creating 
a density of energy that's potentially like a ball of black sludge that's throwing at people, we start to be really much more conscious and responsible humans about our emissions and our capacity. And we are ultimately, we are all healers. We are energy alchemists. We have the capacity to transmute energy that's lower frequency energy into higher frequency energy. I'm still learning so much myself. I've got one particular guide who I hadn't spoken about um, who actually is an energetic intuitive guide who works through me uh, and uses my hands to do energy healing sessions with people and can tap into their energetic system and things come forth, whatever's appropriate at the time for healing to be removed. And it's like I'm an energetic surgeon and my hands actually do energetic surgery, which is kind of blows my mind a little bit as I watch and it's like cutting, removing, um, healing parts of our energetic systems. So we, we do through our interpretations of events, potentially if we don't allow things to pass through us, it can get clogged and create density of energy and our vibrancy and our dynamic and how much energy we've got really depends on the flow and the vitality of our energy and this is our most important commodity and we learn maths and we learn science and english we learn all this stuff but we don't learn our key thing that we need to know which is how to understand and clear and protect our energy so yeah it's really basic things and it's really through doing the habits those energy habits that my energy has skyrocketed because for the six years post washing line experience when I wasn't really walking the talk and doing the discipline, my energy, Karina, it didn't really change that much. It wasn't because I, I just want people to, and the listeners to understand, it's not because I'm a channeler that I have stacks of energy. It's because I've just done the actions, the daily breath work and the different things throughout the day that all of us, all of us can do to increase our, yeah, increase our energy. Thank you for pointing that out. You know, that's, yeah, it's accessible. This is accessible to all of us. And yes, it's so wonderful that it's come through you. Yeah. And you share all of this in pure energy and it's all expressed really directly, succinctly. For instance, I love this part that you write on page 64. You say you are the only person who can bring yourself back to life. If you are exhausted, it is only you who can lift yourself up to feeling fully alive if you want more energy so many of us Mm. i'm sure alicia can relate to feeling exhausted like that Mm. what would you say to somebody who's listening who might be thinking yes i'm exhausted i want to bring Mm. myself back to life how do i begin Mm. to do that decide intention is that is such a powerful powerful frequency of energy and i know it can be hard and when we're you know mental illness and depression and not sleeping like there can be nothing more annoying sometimes if someone says, just, just think positively. And it's like, you know, you might just want to punch them in the face, <laughs> but, but actually remembering that internal power and that decide that you matter, decide that you are worth it and remembering our energetic body and really making sure you honor yourself every day and just dedicating time each day to fill your own cup put your oxygen mask on first. We cannot pour from an empty cup, but so often, particularly I find as women who want to be giving to everyone else, but we're no good to anyone else. If we are not fully charged, we want to be fully charged so that we can actually overflow, overflow to people to help them. So really doing things every day, carving out in your diary, something that honors your soul, that boosts your energy. And everyone knows what that is for them. 
everyone knows what it is. It's, you know, going into nature, it's listening to music, it's watch, reading a book, listening to something beautiful, meditating, yoga, whatever it is for you. Just do more things in your life that you love more and oh. do less things of less of the things that you don't love. <laughs> really bringing that intention, coming into the present. When we come into the present moment, we are just anchoring ourselves into source energy. There's infinite energy available to us. When we think we are this human being that's fallible, and if we associate ourselves as with this being, yes, we're exhausted because we've got a limited amount of resources. We're relying upon what we eat and we drink and all of those things. But when we are accessing the infinite energy on that spiritual plane through that frequency of energy, it's abundant. It's, it's there all the time. And we're just swimming around in an ocean of it. We can just drink it all up and fill ourselves up again. So really, this is our life. Own it and claim it. It's no coincidence that you're here in this particular body, in this particular moment in time. We all have come forth to learn things and have different gifts. So yeah, to have those little rituals that you can do, couple them with things you always do every day. That's what I've tried to do. You will see Karina in the energy habits. Uh, you know, I've got lots on and I don't have time necessarily to just meditate for hours and journal and visualize for hours. So my energy habits are really practical. It's like one minute here, 20 seconds here, five seconds here and coupling them with things you always do. Like when you break, wake up, just greet the day with gratitude. When you brush your teeth, send yourself love. I've got your back. I love you. Let's do this today. When you're washing your face, imagine things that you don't need draining off you when you're showering, when you're having a cup of tea, bring a smile and just create those energy habits. And, of, and my, my breathing is something that I do not miss a day of mm. as well. Yes. Those beautiful breathing exercises. So that's all beautiful to lift our energy. And conversely, there are situations and, you know, unfortunately some people who can work as energy zappers. And there's a chapter in your book dedicated to this topic. So as a recovering people pleaser, you're, you've had, I gather, personal experience of being zapped of your energy. Mm. Tell mm. us about energy zappers and how we can, I guess, you know, protect ourselves, which is, it's a difficult thing, isn't it? Because as you said, at our core, we're all this beautiful yes. light, but yet, you know, we have to walk this kind of line. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and the protection is really up until the point that you're full. Like once your battery's full and overflowing, the protection piece becomes ne less necessary. But really, until you've got your battery really full, we do have this energetic field around us that it is important to protect. Yeah, so energy zappers, I kind of undenied even about including this section in there because I felt like part of me was like, is this going against the full message of the book? Because people aren't energy zappers, we're all true love. But the reality is in our human form that there are energies, and I'm sure everyone, your listeners will have experienced this, where you interact with someone and you walk away feeling like you've been hit by a bus. Like it's just, you have an interaction. Yes, you're nodding because it's like, <laughs> what just happened? I just, someone just literally like sucked into me and just went, <laughs> like sucked my life force out. Sometimes you might even have to go home and go to sleep for an hour. Mm. Like that has happened to me. Yeah, absolutely. And it's happened to other people I know who are quite, you know, have em like high levels of empathy as well. So yeah, yes. absolutely hear you. Yeah. Yes. And so many women are naturally empaths where they do pick up, they can feel, they can sense people's energy because we're spiritual beings and we're connected. <laughs> That's because you're intuitive. Uh, you connect into other people's energy easily. 
philosophy. And yes, yeah, so energy zappers are not bad people. Uh, it's just that often they've lost their way a little bit or sometimes it can be that they're so depleted that they energetically sense someone who's got more than them and energetically they will start to kind of vampire it um, yeah. themselves. Sometimes it can be a lack of self-esteem and a real need to be recognised and to be heard. Uh, and so, you know, sometimes we'll just take over the whole conversation mm -hmm. um, and not, not necessarily listening um, as much as well. So there can be just those people where you just feel like you don't get an opportunity to really connect and interact with because it's yeah. kind of one way and they're coming um, and then there can be situations where you've got someone who dumps on us, right? They've had a difficult situation. And this is where as we become more conscious of our emissions, more conscious of wanting to leave people feeling better, we're less likely to just dump on everyone. You know, we might engage more with a psychologist or someone who we can actually channel all that to, who's prepared and ready to receive and accept that and work through it in a a way where they're trained but a lot of us are just going around and dumping it all over everyone yeah yeah <laughs> so yeah being really being conscious of our own energy field and be conscious about as i said what you will and you won't allow so i have a protective energy uh, exercise that arumba has uh, taught me that we'll put in the links that people can use every yeah. morning and also just to be conscious when you have those interactions to talk to yourself and really command your energy field say something to yourself like i've just had an interaction with x and i refuse to take on any energy that's not serving and not going to help me following that interaction i love them where they're at and they've got whatever's going on for them but i energy field boom remove release anything that has been caught in my field from that interaction it's not my responsibility and you're just clearly commanding your field to bang just drop it and remove it at, in the moment at the time. Because people don't do this, it builds up and builds up and builds up and the energy field gets gunky and messy uh, and stagnant and then health issues arise. So mm. being conscious of clearing stuff out as we go to keep that energy field clean and clear to be able to tap into that higher vibration. Yeah, that's really helpful. Thank you, Alicia. And one word that you've used a couple of times now is emissions to be conscious of the emissions and of mm. course you know we, when we hear of emissions we also think of the emissions that are harming the earth and it mm. just seems like you know as above so below you know yes that's right absolutely yeah just to be really conscious and also what we're consuming what yeah. we're allowing to you know if we're watching uh news all day yeah. uh then we're going to be flooding ourselves with fear. Uh, and, you know, what are you filling your mind with? What are you digesting? What are you consuming? And foods got a whole different frequency, processed foods compared to whole foods. Like there's, it's never ending. Oh, my goodness. Another <laughs> fascinating thing that you write about is energy retrieval. And mm. I wondered if you could please define this for us. And I noticed that forgiveness is step one mm. of the energy retrieval mm. process. And, I'm someone who's intrigued by forgiveness and it's something that I, I, mm. I think about a lot and I will write about in future, potentially in fiction even. So I want I to know more about, in, yeah, scoop there, Alicia. Yes, retrieval <laughs> And the role of forgiveness in this process. Yes, so many people are giving their energy away unconsciously. So energy is just leaking out 
leaking out of them and they're wondering why they feel so depleted and so tired and why their battery is so empty by the end of the day and we are the commanders of this dispensary of chemicals that we can give to ourselves through our own thoughts and also accessing those chemicals within ourselves so you know if we're being uplifted we are releasing chemicals we're releasing dopamine and oxytocin or we're releasing things that are cortisol and stress hormones so being really conscious also of that connection with the the body but the things that really um, take our energy we are the ones that give them away no one can have power over us unless we choose to give that to them and people can't just take our energy unless we allow that to happen through the interpretation that we give events and so the way that we often leak our energy is worrying overthinking ruminating as we do that, our whole system is going into depletion of energy. We're just putting all of this energy into this space that is just reducing our energy stores. When we compare ourselves to others, when we're concerned, we concern too much about what other people think about us. I'm going to get back to forgiveness. I know that is step one. And it's a really hard thing to do, to not be worried about what other people think. But at the end of the day, if you know you're living a true, noble, honourable life where you're not harming others through your actions or your words, Really, what other people think about us should not matter because everyone will create their own versions and stories of whatever it is that that we're doing and have their views and all of those things. And to be able to withstand that and have our own personal freedom despite that and to make our choices and not be guided by what everyone else thinks we should be doing in our life is a very liberating, exciting place to be. From the recovering people pleaser can't say no to any one person. <laughs> As we try to control all of our external circumstances, we're losing our energy because that will never work. <laughs> There's never going to be a time where every circumstance around us is perfect. And humans seem to think from the Disney movies that, you know, once we get the job, once we get the man, once we get the woman, once we get the whatever it is, do the MBA, the marathon, then I'll have this peace and fulfillment. No, yeah. it never comes. It's fleeting, it's, it's momentary, but it's an inside job is retrieving that energy back to ourselves through the inner work and connecting with ourselves and forgiveness of all the things. My understanding is that this is the most powerful way to retrieve our energy. I mean, forgiveness is spoken through all of the religions. Yes. Uh, it's, it is a key way to restore our energy leaks and our imbalances because prior to forgiveness we're obviously holding resentment or anger or someone hasn't met our expectations and why is that because we've created a script or a role of what we think that they're supposed to be or how we think they're supposed to act or what we think they're supposed to say to us and then they don't live up to that story we've created in our own mind so crazy Uh, so through that we're creating this anger and resentment or frustration in our own being and who's the first victim of that us it's not the person that we're angry at that is the first victim of our anger it is us we are the first victim because we have these chemicals created in our body we have this energy that we're creating in our body that's not helpful for us so it is through compassion and accessing those higher level frequencies that we are able to forgive others forgive ourselves and to heal we're here to heal we're on this planet to heal ourselves to heal other people in terms of that human human level not necessarily our perfect souls 
but yes, yeah. extend and also I think we can be misguided about forgiveness because people can get really, well, how can I possibly forgive that person for what they've done? You know, people do atrocious things. You know, someone might have killed a member of your family or done, you know, people say, Alicia, you don't know what I've been through. You can't understand. How could I forgive them for this? Forgiveness is not saying that's okay what you did. Forgiveness is not condoning it. But when we're able to extend forgiveness to someone despite the fact that we feel that they've wronged us, we're tapping into and remembering that deeper understanding that actually that person is the same as us and that they've lost their way. We're tapping into pure love. We're tapping into that pure innocence. But I totally get how hard it can be yeah. in practice. But we need to sometimes be right in our humanness and we attach to that. But when we attach to our divinity and our capacity to forgive and for, you know, the mentors such as Jesus, who was able to do that despite being put to death, you know, they know not what they, they know not what they do. Despite that, like his teaching, his biggest teaching that I take is around forgiveness mm -hmm. and compassion and love and so kind of put all of the other trappings that come with different religions aside like if that's the religion i'm there yeah yeah <laughs> love compassion for each other yeah it's really beautiful and again it comes back to that alternative way of being mm. which is what he mm. taught and a lot of other spiritual teachers have taught as well mm. and just to thank you for that that was just so beautiful thank you i really appreciate that that you expanding on forgiveness there for us now uh money too is a form mm. of energy and in your mm. book you share a conversation you had in which the other very wise party woke you up to the importance of charging appropriately mm. for services and how she explained to you how that's all back part of the back and flow you know, the back and forth flow sorry that is between mm. people I know mm. I, that really was a trigger for me because I, you know, I come up against blocks to do with money and charging and mm. all of that. Mm. And I suspect there are so many of our, you know, of our listeners will relate to that as well. So what have you learned around, you know, the energy of money? Yes. So it's definitely something that I've grappled with as well. And we just do want to just give and give and give. And I, I feel that I remember years ago, just thinking, I would just love to have as a job where I just go around and I just help any person I can possibly see. You know, I just remember thinking, you know, I'd help that person help and that would just be my job. <laughs> just go around as helping because that's a, you know, we just want to give and we want to help. Yeah. And I've had to really grapple with this concept and, and learning and understanding around energy. Uh, giving and receiving is something that's a very interesting piece that comes through in the energetic healing sessions that the guide does around energetic like returning energy to the universe that comes out of people, which is quite interesting. So there is this natural balance and natural law around giving and receiving. And if we, we can block that yeah. and be good at women, can, you know, you get a, a room of women and say, do you love giving and receive? Uh, do you love giving and helping? And everyone will put their hand up. Yeah. And how many of you are feel are comfortable to receive yeah. and <laughs> a small percentage will put up their hand yeah. because it can feel difficult to receive. And so that's something that I've definitely been, been working through, but we need to open ourselves up to be, to be able to receive the opportunities that come and to honour our time um, and our work. And I'm still working through that because I have 
I have two businesses that kind of provide me income. I feel like I am in a good position that I can really share this, do this energy work, yes. uh, not so much for, for money. And so I've kind of found myself in a middle path where currently the work I do, the workshops and the book and um, the healing sessions, I am putting that money towards my bigger vision, which we might talk about later, oh, um, yeah. to create this global soul centre. So I kind of feel like I haven't totally got there yet. It might change where I might move away from my other paid work and, and, and do this more of a full time because I've also, we've got to honour, you know, I know you're a mum and the more I just give of my time for free, then the more I'm taking from my family um, and, the t and my time that's precious with them. So I've, you've also got to, yeah, manage Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That, is, that was a big lesson I learned as well. And I wonder, do you feel that such blocks and, you know, these things that we grapple with are rooted in issues that have to do with self-esteem, mm -hmm. self-worth, self-love? What do you feel is the connection there between those potential blocks about receiving or charging appropriately and self-esteem and self-love? Yeah, I love that question. And absolutely, absolutely. I, I do think there is a piece of that where uh, people, when we struggle to receive, then there's a worthiness piece like I don't deserve this or um, that, that discomfort of being the one to receive. I think that is definitely something. And I've explored this within myself because what I haven't fully understood is like, without being arrogant, my self-worth and my sense of myself is pretty strong. Uh, but yet I was still that people pleaser and was still not able to say no and still didn't feel comfortable to receive and working through those, those things. And for me, it came back for me as it just didn't feel aligned with my mission because my mission I felt was just to give, <laughs> to give. I just wanted to give and that just feels so aligned. Um, but what I'm learning is that a lot of my lessons are around boundary setting mm -hmm. uh, that I've had to learn and to say no has been really tough for me. Um, and so the more I'm doing that, if the more it's interestingly pushing me, correcting me back onto my mission. Oh, course correction. Brilliant. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's, yeah. Okay. So we're talking about your mission. We're talking about your other streams of income and all of that. In the foreword to your book, a lady called Virginia Warren says that, and this is her quote, you're learning to coalesce the roles of lawyer and healer in meaningful and expansive ways. I thought that was really interesting. And I, I was wondering if you could just talk about that and you being the lawyer who's now teaching the laws of energy. Yeah, I know. That was kind of a funny thing. And I didn't even realise that at the time. It was like I started just wanting to teach and I was writing things down in this book and the laws of energy. And then as I was pulling the book together, I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm a lawyer who's teaching the laws of energy. Like, I never, yeah, never would have... I never would have imagined that. Yeah, so Virginia Warren's a beautiful woman. She's also, she also combines those two aspects um, to herself um, as a lawyer and a yoga instructor. And um, she sees being a lawyer as a healer, which is a really interesting uh, take on it, yeah. uh, which I relate to. And it's interesting because even in the law firm that I started in, so I was in one of the big law firms and I found myself into a corner niche area in the law firm, which is very people-based and was 
investigations into doctors and psychologists and teachers and chiropractors uh, for misconduct mm -hmm. uh, and inappropriate conduct. So it was kind of this very kind of interesting area. In terms of my law, I guess I tried to find the area in the firm that I could was most interested in. And, and looking back, it was really interesting because I ended up doing a lot of the cases around sexual misconduct with doctors. And then when I stepped out and did my own business, I was predominantly doing workplace investigations initially and mediations. And I found that I was getting a lot of work coming to me that was in relation to inappropriate sexual harassment. And then it circled back to when I first wanted to be a lawyer. The thing that triggered me wanting to be a lawyer is I watched the movie. I was probably too young to watch it, but I watched the movie The Accused. Oh, yeah. Jodie Foster. Oh, Do you remember powerful. that movie? Oh, yeah. I think oh. I went to see it at the movies. It was such an impactful film. Yeah. That movie, that got my juices going to be a yeah. lawyer. Yeah. And I was like, this is not right. This, how can this possibly happen? And that's actually why I wanted to become a lawyer. But then I never went down the criminal path, but I surprisingly kind of found myself in this other space, mm. um, being interested in this kind of work. So it was kind of interesting how that worked. So yeah, so now I had to make a decision in my legal, in my legal business to, I actually decided um, a few years ago to cut off the most lucrative part of my business. <laughs> Uh, which is workplace investigations, because it didn't fit well enough with my heart <laughs> because I just, it was adversarial and I was we were putting people through these processes and it was, people were here at the start of investigation and then they were over here and trying to then get them to work together in the workplace was really hard. Yeah. So even though it was the majority of my business, um, I decided to stop taking the, that work. It was really hard to do when the phone was ringing. It was like, oh, this is interesting. And, oh. and to really now just focus on mediations, which is a way of healing in the workplace relationship conflict. So I do that in workplaces, but also in, with couples to help oh. them to understand each other better, to communicate better and to have clearer agreements with each other around what is appropriate, what's not appropriate and what are going to be the consequences if we don't maintain these intentions that we've created for our relationship. Because workplace, workplace mediations were often like mediating a marriage when you're doing these sessions with people in the workplace who are spending so much time together and so involved uh, with each other, it felt very much like marriage. So I've been really fortunate enough, but also I've made decisions intentionally to kind of bring my role as a lawyer to a space that feels very well aligned with my heart work and, and my healing work, if that makes okay. sense. Yes, it absolutely makes sense. And again, you, you highlight the importance of our free will and, you know, us having to make those conscious choices to, mm. to be, to, to come into that alignment. Yeah. I wondered, mm. now this is a, going back to a very general kind of question about the guides. I'm just wondering what they say about love, whether there's been any particularly powerful teaching from the Ascended Masters about love and conversely about fear as well. Yes. So, well, ultimately the message is that we have this choice on earth to be in love or be in fear and which is consistent with the Course of Miracles that you you spoke about earlier and when we tap into the fearful part of us it's almost like choose your own adventure in life you can imagine like every decision we have when we choose fear 
it takes us down this path. But when we jump up a little bit and despite whatever difficulties is going on, we still choose love, it's like it takes you down another path, another path, another path, another path. And so with these choices, they dramatically change the experience that we have in life, our human experience. The way we see the world is through our own lens, our own subjective lens, and everyone's kind of a mirror to us. And I see this in invest when I was doing investigations. People all see the same thing, and everyone has a different version mm. of what they've, they've seen. There is, That's people amazing. might be a bit surprised to realise that we are not each, this, each of us is not the centre of the universe. <laughs> and the way that we see things is not necessarily aligned with um, how everyone else sees things. So the, the message that they've really given me is that we are love, we are all one, we are this expansive collective energy of love, but that each one of us is one aspect of love that is coming into consciousness, that is having this conscious experience of itself in a human planet of polarity. Mm-hmm. Uh, where we've got those those choices and we've got the learning opportunities between night and day. We've got uh, good and bad, sickness and health and mm-hmm. all of those things that despite the atrocities on this planet, despite the really hard things that happen daily, because no one is immune to it. Every human we know, right? Karina, do you know anyone who's just had green lights all their life and no. everything's gone? No. Mm-hmm. And people get surprised that, they don't have green lights all their life. It's like we're on planet Earth. That's not the game here. <laughs> That's so not true. how it works. So <laughs> but how do we rise above that and to purify our mind, our divine mind, our one piece of that, to tune it into love and to be coming and looking through that lens in all situations as best as we can, even when we're up against things that we, we can't see how it could be love. So how can we do that? How can we remind ourselves to, to choose paths or how can we experience more love, more beauty, more wonder, more moments of synchronicity? How, what's a, a practical way to do that? So it comes back, the pinnacle of it is our own self and our connection and our loving ourselves. Right. Because we have to be able to, once, once we fully accept every part of ourselves, all the good and the bad of the human aspect of ourselves and just deeply and unconditionally love ourselves, our inner child, everything that we've done through all of this life, then it's like everything else falls away. All of our need to be um, recognised and to um, zap from other people and all of the things that we do to try and seek love. And I see this in workplaces is that if people aren't heard and they don't have that deep sense in themselves, then they can be dysfunctional in the workplace and can act out in ways that they don't intend or mean, but they're needing this sense of significance to come forth. But we bring that back to yourself, bring your sense of significance back to yourself and take those daily actions each day to just tell yourself, I love you. And it can be hard the first, however many times looking in the mirror, I love you. I've got your back. We're in this together, writing letters to yourself, connecting with yourself, having those moments of stillness, the meditation where you're able to access that those periods of where the worry starts to, to drop away. Spending time in silence and breath work for me is, are the biggest things to to connect back 
with that. Self-love. I relate to that too, like just having to spend that time in meditation. And sometimes like I'm not somebody who's had these amazingly profound experiences yet in meditation or anything, but just the practice, just sitting and doing it anyway, mm, even if the shopping yes. list is there and I find it hard to, <laughs> to break through that wall of thoughts, doesn't matter, yes. still do it. No, I still that's do it. right. And even if it's one minute, like if you think I need half an hour a day to meditate, it might never happen, but yeah. it's like, I'm going to do one minute two minutes here and just little little bits throughout the day because your question was around how we access that part of yeah. us it's the, the higher we can raise that frequency and the more we're tuning into that the more easily our intuition will come forth the more easily we're able to live from that spirit divine part of ourselves mm-hmm. where it just things we're no longer pushing and resisting yeah. we're surrendering and we're just letting things flow and we're not getting you know, too caught up in the ins and the outs and the ups and the downs. That's brilliant. And um, we're coming to the end of our conversation now, Alicia, and I could talk to you for hours and hours, but I've got to let you go (laughs) at some point. I can't let you go without asking you, what wisdom can you share, whether it's yours, the guides, about this extraordinary year, what we've all been going through on a global level, and it's spiritual significance or message for humanity Mm. oh thank you so there have been definitely some messages coming through from the guides about about this there was one actually beautiful poem that goenga sent out around the mother earth and this being a time for mother earth to um to restore itself because her things were burning and (laughs) there were things that were not working well on our planet and so this was a an opportunity for our planet to heal itself that's definitely a message that's come through quite poetically i was in the shower and it just started flowing through i had to quickly get to a computer um to put that out i'll send that to you i don't know yes, if you've seen please. That. we'll share that yeah yeah that'd be lovely okay, yeah beautiful uh so the key messages that have been coming through are around that this is a time where we're moving towards more authenticity Uh, we're moving to a time where people are removing the masks a little bit and dropping the masks. And I think we've seen that just the fact that people are, you know, having to work from home and they've got their kids around, you know, and they're having to just be real and, you know, we can't maybe dye our hair anymore and we can't kind of, uh, I mean, I don't mind that having fun and dressing up and things like that. But I think it's been a a time where uh, that division between the work and the home life is starting to kind of meld in a way that is relaxed um, and people are being seen more as the person, the human commodity uh, in a workplace rather than just this kind of um, fee generator operator. So I think that the melding of that has been something that's interesting. Uh, a time for slowness, a time for introspection, a time for reflection, a time for people to really consciously think, well, what do I want my life to look like coming out the other side of this? What parts of this time will I keep? Will I bring into my my new life uh, am i doing a job that i really love am i spending my time doing a job i really love because this is really brought into far um sharp focus that we will die at some point every single one of us on this planet and what uh, COVID has done has just brought that front and center for everyone to kind of realize their mortality and not just be living thinking, well, I'm never going to die. So I'll do my dreams later and I'll put that off and I'll do this and I'll look after my health later. It's like, no, this is the time now. So it could be, we might have one day left on this planet. Each of us, we don't know. And I think it's really brought that into sharp focus. It is a global wake up call, a global wake up call for people to realize that, yeah, these human bodies are fallible. And so to really seize the day and create the life that you want to 
create. And yeah, I think there's, you know, it's certainly difficult and it's bringing forth our capacity to be patient. I know I'm like got four kids at home, all different ages and trying to, it's like, mom, 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 you know, trying to, I have to reduce my expectations on how much I'm going to get done. And we, the emphasis is moving from productivity and doing, doing, doing to being, being. And I, I know I'm going to look back so fondly on this time because our family, we're just all together in this little cocoon and we're so much more connected as a family than we have ever been. And you can't really put a price on that. So yes, I miss my friends and I miss going out and I want to go to cafes and I want to come to, I want to do my work and all of those things. But there's really a lot of beauty despite all of the frustrations and the hard stuff that I'm experiencing also on a daily basis. I don't want people to think that I'm like this Zen person that cruises around and floats around and everything's really super easy. I have all the ups and downs. Um, I feel frustrated regularly. I just know how to manage those emotions to allow it to push through and work, not push through, flow through me. So it doesn't create this stagnant negative energy and even in the last few months we've had some personal stuff that's actually been the most full-on um for me but it's kind of weird how you can kind of feel like quite stress a lot of stress from the human aspect but also at the same time i've never been happier Mm. it's weird yeah yeah and that's the thing like it's that paradox it's the tension it's holding both things and a lot of spirituality in terms of whether it's the spiritual texts or teachings or channels they often encompass this paradox you hold Mm. both it's not but it's and so Mm. as you said there's the stress and the joy they're together yeah yeah and so just to circle back to the beginning how do you reflect today eight years later on the amazing washing line experience and the new life that it ushered in are you now living your purpose and calling Mm, oh, what a beautiful question. Thank you, Karina. I uh, love your crafted that you've crafted the questions just so beautifully. Not surprising you're a journalist and amazing at what you do. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, so, uh, so yes, circling back, it has taken me a long time. Like I think I was a bit slow to really step forward and you know my guides were very patient with me and patient with me and and I remember at one point going it was like I know you've got free will and I can't tell you what to do but can you please finish the book (laughs) okay because the book actually channeled most like about 60,000 words kind of channeled out in 2012 with that book. Oh. I didn't know what to do with it because I was like, well, is this going to be anonymous? How am I going to put it out there? And so then what I did, once I came out of the spiritual closet, I started a new blank document and kind of started to be able to weave my story and to pull across pieces of it uh, to kind of pull it into this book. I don't even know how I did it now at the time with all the kids around and everything. I really wrote it in pockets of five minutes here and 10 minutes here. and That's when you know you're on the right path, when things flow like that, when the material flows in such a way and even that structuring it, it all flows because it's all meant to be. (laughs) Yeah, well, it's interesting because the other thing was I, I had that experience where everything is meant to be. Like Steve Jobs said, looking back, the dots in your life or whatever it is makes sense backwards because even all of my work as a lawyer and as an investigator, I was used to dealing with big documents. I was used to categorizing information. I was used to pulling together themes. I was used to creating, you know, a whole big report. Uh, So actually 
all of that work was relevant for me to be able to sit down and pull this together um, yes. like, like a report in some ways. So, yeah, it's taken me many years. The first kind of few years, even up to the six years after the washing line experience, I wasn't walking the talk. I wasn't regularly doing my breathing exercises. I wasn't regularly channeling. But slowly over time, brick by brick, step by step, I have created a life I absolutely love and adore. I am an external accountable person often. And so what I'm really glad I did back then when I came out of the closet was that I did set up that Facebook group because what it forced me to do was to try every week. Recently, I've made it maybe the last year or something that every week I try and I do a channeling because it forces me to do it and make sure that I'm just, otherwise life gets busy and, you know, Mm. I won't necessarily do it. That's been really, really good just to, to create that uh, and have been able to help people with their energy and give them energy tips and to share the messages so that people can feel the vibrant vibration of the energy for themselves. Because my key is I want everyone to live a life that they love and enjoy their life and have connection and meaning and, and to really be yeah, getting the most out of, of this opportunity that we've been gifted. Well, you're a walking advertisement for that. And you mentioned the live channelings that you do on Facebook every week. And I find them absolutely mesmerizing. And as I watch them, I'm in awe of your courage and bravery because I'm someone who's still, I guess, in some respects, struggles a little bit with coming out of the spiritual closet entirely. Mm-hmm. Do you think we all have that well of courage within us that we can draw on to live our purpose out and proud, just like you do? That's what I'd love to know. <laughs> Yes, I think we we absolutely do. And again, it's connecting into our personal power because, oh my gosh, like our personal power is like, wow, it's immense, it's infinite. And so when we are coming from that space within us, then we're, it's easier for us just to access that courage. And we just need that little bit of courage just to take the first step and just to take the first step and push ourselves out. And I know for me that... I still get scared, you know, doing Facebook lives. I still have that. I still have those nerves, but it's also you feel alive and you feel like I don't want it to ever be that on things aren't scary anymore. Like you still want to be living and pushing ourselves a little bit out of our comfort zones. So yes, definitely. We, we all have a tremendous capacity and uh, humans are just most, we're just not accessing it and tapping into that courage. And I always love to ask people like, you know, what decisions you would make if you didn't have fear? What decisions would you make if money wasn't an issue? Like if you could spend your time doing what you wanted to do, what decisions would you make? How would your life look if you were leaning into love and not being bogged down by by fear? So absolutely, it is not unique um, to me. (laughs) And and anyway, I don't even still feel fear. (laughs) Well, this is certainly one of the most inspiring conversations I've ever had on the show and I know the audience is going to get so much out of it what's next for you tell us briefly Um, about the soul center as well oh thank you (laughs) I'm conscious of your time yeah oh thank you thank you angel so in 2009 so this was before the channeling started so the channeling started 2012 but in 2009 I was also really tired we had um two little ones our littlest one was um, maybe six months old and you know you're not sleeping and all that stuff and I went for a massage I was so exhausted and I went for a massage and I had a crazy experience in this massage where I was just having my massage and boom I got this vision crystal clear vision that I've I'd never 
seen anything like it. And it was this physical space and it was called the soul center. And it has like a circular um, space in the middle for classes. And it has these practitioner rooms around the edges and a library and hopefully it had a cafe. I'm hoping it's all gonna come to fruition. Um, and it was, it's a space, a high frequency energy space for people to come and feel at home, their rhythm of their soul at home uh, in a high frequency energy space with practitioners who are heart led and who help people to connect back with their soul through all different modalities. I saw this vision and I didn't know what to do with it at the time. That was pre any of this. And I was still kind of working hard as a lawyer and uh, yeah, so I didn't know what it meant, but I knew that it was definitely something important that I had to keep track of and I drew it all out. Yeah, my mission now is to create this physical space. My big, big mission is to have them all over the place, like, you know, the Berlin Global Soul Centre, the New York Global Soul Centre. Oh, well, Centre. Alicia, I've got to tell you something. I've get, I'm getting goosebumps because my sister, who is someone who's very, very in tune and we've started a little charity together called Ripples of Love a couple of years ago, she's had the same vision. And oh. She had, she saw a place with tall windows and she knew that it was going to be this healing center. So I Ooh. wonder if Ooh. at some point we're destined to work together oh so gosh. we can start the Sydney one, <laughs> Sydney oh chapter. Oh my, yes. Well, I'll tell you no, more about yeah. that later. Oh yeah. my God, we have to. There are no coincidences. No. And yeah, it's, it is, it's amazing. And the other thing that happened, which was interesting at the start of the pandemic, as you know, I was like, what can I do to help people? And so I just set up this Facebook group. Uh, to provide online wellness classes because I thought, well, I can do my qigong, my breathing, I can do talks on spirituality. Yes. Um, and I put out a thing on Facebook saying, hey, call out to wellness practitioners. Who else wants to give their time to help women during lockdown? And it's just been amazing. It's gone off. We've almost got 5,000 members. We've had almost 200 classes offered for free into this Thanks. group all saved as units people can jump in and out they can watch them live i've had almost 90 i think about 93 or more practitioners generously kindly offering their time women helping women but what i didn't realize karina when i was doing it i had people messaging me saying you've done it you've created your vision of having practitioners i didn't connect oh the my two goodness. i didn't connect the two until people were telling me oh you, you're doing it you're doing your vision it's so the soul center virtually online mm. yeah. yes and i didn't even realize i did not even realize i was like reading the messages going what are they talking about i'm like oh my god it's the soul center online <laughs> it's just created amongst without me even noticing that's amazing and you said women healing women that was part of my sister's vision as well those very words mm. so that's oh absolutely extraordinary to me but now, please wow. share with the audience how that's so amazing. And I can't mm. wait to hear more about that Soul Centre, though. Maybe oh, we'll, we'll do another more. interview later, yeah. maybe next year, to hear more about how that's yes. progressing. Oh. In the meantime, please share with the audience how they can get in touch with you and buy your book and all of those things. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, so my website is alishatemmerman.com which we'll probably put in the links, but it's yep. A-L-I-C-I-A-T-E-M-M-E-R-M-A-N.com. So that's got the link to my book. Uh, it's also got a link to the Facebook groups to Breathe, Love, Laugh uh, with Alicia Jumay Temmerman is the channeling energy one. It's also got the link to Thrive, free online women wellness classes. The Breathe, Love, Laugh, I might change the name of that. So if you can't find it, <laughs> contact me <laughs> if you're watching this like in five years time and it's changed. 
so yeah, they're the they're the main the main ways I think to to connect. Fantastic. And last thing, if there is a key takeaway that you'd like our audience to take with them today from our conversation, what would that be, mm. Alicia? You matter. You are loved. You are love. There is no coincidence. It is not random that you are in your body right now at this time. And I really just hope that you can connect and hope you already are. The fact that you're watching this and you're interested in Karina's work, I'm sure you're already well on the path and maybe way ahead uh, to just remember that truth within yourself, your magnificence, and that we're here also to have some fun and enjoy life and not take it too seriously. I love that. Well, it's been an absolute delight. I Honestly, my heart is just bursting with love at, at the moment. So thank you so much, Alicia. What a beautiful thing. You know, you talk about women healing women. Well, you're doing such important work and such beautiful work. And thank you for spending time with us on the show today. Oh, my goodness. Thank you so much. My heart is just amplifying back at you as well. And thank you for shining a light and bringing forth these stories of ordinary women who've had these extraordinary experiences because the more you hear other people it's like oh okay good i'm not the only one you know and then more and more people and every woman every woman you speak to actually has often had some kind of experience that they can't fully explain you're absolutely right and that's what triggered this whole path for me thank you so much alicia and have a beautiful day lots of love to you you too angel thank you karina Bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Music